0: Hey, good morning. That cup of coffee is so good. Um, Welcome to Mornings with Mac. And I hope you've got a copy of God's Word after, what is this, Uh, 14 days now. You should know we're going to go right to the text and uh, right to this 14th Psalm of Ascent. Uh, Tomorrow will be the last of the Psalms of Ascent, uh, Psalm 134. This morning it's Psalm 133. A lot of you have written in and, you know, hey, please keep doing this and uh, ask him, what are we going to do? I'll tell you that tomorrow. I'm still in the process of thinking through, praying through that. But this morning, I want to take you to what is my favorite of the 15 Psalms of Ascent. I love this Psalm. I remember reading this Psalm when I was a boy. Uh, Every night, my dad would stop by the bedroom and would look in and would say, have you read your Bible today? And a lot of times I would uh, get back up, take my Bible out, and I would read a portion of scripture. And there was something about this passage, this Psalm that always spoke to my heart that always uh, I found interesting and curious. And so I'm going to share with you a little bit about this This whole psalm, it has the concept. If you want to know what is the central idea, it is this. You will find uh, no deeper joy than the joy that comes from unity, and unity comes from love. Now, let me give you that again. That's the central idea of of this psalm. You'll find no deeper joy... Uh, than the joy that comes in unity, and unity comes out of a life of love. I'm going to read to you something. One of my favorite writers happens to be uh, A.W. Tozer, and in his book, The Pursuit of God, which if you've never read it, you ought to pick that up and read it. I want you to listen to what he says. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to one another, uh, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. Boy, that is a powerful statement right there. Each one looking away to Christ are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious And turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Let me tell you, you get unity in the fellowship when you are in love with Jesus Christ. When every member is in love with Jesus Christ. You know, I'm going to tell you what I think of when I read this psalm. Yesterday, late when I was reading this uh, uh, in the uh, evening, last evening, this is what I thought about. What were the happiest memories that I had of church Because here is all of Israel, they've gone up to Jerusalem for either Passover or Pentecost or Tabernacles, one of the great feasts, and um, I happen to think that it's very likely that Hezekiah wrote this psalm. Um, I I think it was one of the leaders, uh, one of the kings, I don't think it was David, but it could have been. I think they were looking out over the city of Jerusalem, packed with all of these people, from all of the different tribes that were there and uh, they watched all of the joy uh, of the people together. One of the things I love to do is I love to stand out in the lobby at Valleydale and you just hear the buzz, the buzz of the people who are fellowshipping together. You hear this pocket over here laughing. You see these people over here uh, talking and smiling and laughing and uh, just the buzz of the people of God when there is a unity in a congregation and a joy, and they are expressing the joy of being together. I think I think Hezekiah or David or whoever it was was looking out over the city of Jerusalem, and he said, "This is what God had intended. This is what God wanted. He wanted His people, the Jews, to be together in fellowship, loving on one another." Worshiping Him, loving each other, and enjoying each other. Uh, what I remember from my childhood is this. I, I remember Sunday mornings, of course. I remember Wednesday nights because my, we were going to be there every Wednesday night. My dad saw to that. What I remember are Sunday nights. I remember Sunday nights because there was such a special warmth in the fellowship on Sunday nights. Uh, There was such a sense of unity. There was such a a sense of peace. To me, growing up, it seemed like the Spirit of God moved stronger on Sunday nights than he ever did on Sunday mornings. But what I remember was going out behind the church after church on Sunday nights. There, There was the parking lot, these three great big oak trees there at South Main in Greenwood, South Carolina. And uh, we kids would run. We would, you know, chase each other. We would run. We would play catch, you know, and the tree was safe or this tree was safe. And the adults all stood out there and they talked and they laughed. And I can remember Rusty and we were run back and forth. And I can remember the fastest girl I've ever seen in my life, Brenda Eklund. She could outrun any guy that was out there. And uh, we it was just a time of just fun and joy and happiness and there was the underlying sense of unity, and that unity came from a love of people who loved Jesus Christ, and it was expressed in loving each other. Now, let's go to the psalm. That's the background, I think, of this psalm. And when you come to this psalm, listen to what the psalmist says. Behold, look, fasten your attention to this. Let me show you something here. It's good and pleasant. When brothers dwell in unity. Let me, let me read a verse right here. First John chapter four, verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You can write that. I've written it in my Psalter right here, right next to Psalm 133. I put first John chapter four, verse seven. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. He says, let me give you an illustration, and he's going to give two illustrations now. One is in verse 2, one is in verse 3. Short little psalm. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. By the way, he's going to use that expression three times in these, this little short three-verse psalm. Uh, In verse three, it speaks about the dew that comes down, falls down. But every bit of it, I'll come back to this, is coming down. And there's a reason why he says that. It's coming down, it's coming down, it's coming down. Well, verse two, this oil. Now, all through the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, um, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And this, I think, is an indication of that very thing, the Spirit of God that comes down, Uh, the oil that was poured on Aaron. You see, God gave Moses the instruction that he was to take oil and blood, and he was to sprinkle it on the garments of Aaron that consecrated him. He was the high priest. It set him apart now, let me show you four things about this oil. Number one, it set him apart. Uh, it was symbolic of that which is holy, that which is set apart, that which belongs to God and doesn't belong to anyone else. Now that should be every believer that the spirit on our lives sets us apart, that we belong to god we don't belong to the United states government we don't we don't belong to to some organization, we don't belong to some party. I belong to Jesus Christ. You have been bought with a price. I have been sealed. you have been sealed uh, with the Holy Spirit. So we belong to Christ. This oil is a symbol that you have been set aside. Now, let me tell you something. That's where the unity aspect comes in right there. There is a special unity among those who belong to God. Now, let me give you the second thing. And the second thing is this. Now, this is the interesting thing about the oil. It was made up of olive oil, and then four spices. In fact, I can take you back to Exodus chapter 30, I believe it is. Look, if you've got your Bibles, put your finger there in uh, Psalm 133. Go back now, if you will, to Exodus chapter 30. And listen to what he says. Take also for yourself the finest spices, flowing myrrh, cinnamon, fragrant cinnamon. Do you see that? Um fragrant cane, uh, which happens to be calamus, and um, verse 24, cassia. Now, all of those have a distinct aroma. One of the things as I read this that I think about is I think about walking through the marketplace of the old city of Jerusalem. Um, whenever you do, you have you, you come across m- many of these little spice shops that are there, and it's open air. And they have a big table, and they've got a little pile of spice, this spice, and that spice. And out front, they always have a little frankincense, a little myrrh. They have some cinnamon, some cassia, some calamus That that is there. And um, you, you have this unique aroma. Well, that's what Moses was to take and to mix those four things, those four spices with oil. And they were to anoint... Um, Aaron with those spices and then anointing him with that spice. Let me, let me tell you, he not only anointed Aaron, by the way, everything in the tabernacle and everything in the temple was anointed with this oil. It was wiped all over everything. Now this, this is the reason that priest and those uh, priests, those sons of Aaron all had a distinct smell. You could smell them coming before you ever saw them. Now, I know you've met people where that's been true, but it's not been true in a good way. This was in a good way. You you could, you could be out in the crowd in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, you would get a, a, a whiff of this very sweet-smelling oil, and you knew that the high priest or one of the sons of Aaron was close by. When you went up to the temple to worship, You could smell it everywhere. It was all over the place. I don't have anything other than pollen, So, and I don't think it's communicable. They've determined it's not communicable through uh, live stream as of yet, as far as we know. Well, uh, you could smell them. Now, what what does Paul say about that? He says, we are the fragrance of Christ. That is everything about our demeanor, our attitude, our disposition, our language, our tone, everything about it should be the sweet aroma of Jesus Christ. People should be able to tell that we are set apart and different because of the spirit of God that rests on us, the spirit of Christ, which is sweet. Let me give you the third thing. It's unique. This could not be used by anybody in Israel. This was unique uh, to the priest, to the high priest, to the sons of Aaron. Uh, no one else, no man. In fact, here it says, Whoever shall mix any like it, or whoever puts any of it on his layman, on a layman shall be cut off from. If anybody mixed anything like this up, they were cut off. They were put outside the camp of Israel. They no longer belonged to the people of God. You know what that is a picture of to me? It's a picture of this. You cannot imitate the Holy Spirit. Um, You can try, but you cannot imitate him. A lot of men in the ministry get up in the pulpit who are void of the Spirit of God, and they try to, out of their cuteness and out of their cleverness and out of their uh, charismatic ability, try to emulate the Spirit of God. But let me tell you something. People know Even lost people can tell. You cannot imitate the Holy Spirit. The fourth thing is this, is sanctify. Uh, That oil was a sign of sanctification, of becoming more and more and more like God, becoming more and more and more like Jesus Christ. Uh, let Let me just say that we all need the sanctifying Spirit of God on our lives, Well, that's what the oil represented. Now, that's the first picture. It's running down on Aaron, down on his beard, down on the collar of his robe. Now, here comes the second illustration. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Now, let me just give you three things about this dew. Dew was very important in Israel. In fact, I could take you to places in the Old Testament and show you that. But it was important in Israel because that's where everything that was green got their water. It only rains twice, two seasons in Israel, two different times. The rest of the time, dew. I got up early this morning and looking out here at all of this grass. It was a heavy dew out here this morning uh, next to this water. Dew is life-giving, number one. It gives life. The second thing about dew is this. It's beautiful. You ever just go up and look at dew on a flower? How it sparkles in the sunlight—it's almost like a prism. It catches the light of the sun and it throws it around and out in various colors. It's beautiful to look at. It makes everything kind of glisten and uh, and sparkle. And the third thing about it is this: it's refreshing. It's re-energizing. It's restorative. It's restorative. It gives new energy. At the end of a day, flowers may wilt. They may look like they're about to die. But the next morning after a heavy dew, they've picked back up. They've perked back up. That is this whole picture here of dew. And Let me point something out in this. It says it falls down, which falls on on Hermon. It's like the dew on Hermon. Hermon is that huge mountain to the north of Israel. It's almost snow-capped all year round. I think it's somewhere around 11,000 feet above sea level. It is massive. And uh, then it mentions which falls on the mountains of Zion. Now you get around the mountains of Zion and they're just small little hills. They don't even have names. They, they don't even, you know, little colloquial names perhaps, but not names like Herman or, or Tabor. Uh, these are just these little small hills. Listen, let me tell you, pastors, this may speak to you. Uh, you may look at those men who are in large, impressive facilities in large, impressive numbers, and they have large and impressive ministries, it seems. But I wanna tell you something, that the blessing of God falls on you every bit as much as it falls on them. I've been there, and I've been in smaller churches, and I've been in larger churches, and I wanna tell you what, the blessing of God is what matters, not the size of the church, or the congregation, or the impressiveness of the name or the history, or any of that. What is the difference maker is the blessing of God. He says that like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for the Lord has commanded the blessing. The Lord has commanded it. This is of God. This is not manufactured. This is not made up. This comes, that's where it comes from. It's coming down, it's coming down, it's coming down. You get that in this psalm. You're coming, It, it here, here comes the black, it's the Lord that does this. It comes down and it comes down and it comes down. And when there is a unity in a church, you can be sure it is because there is a love of Jesus Christ that is there. And when there is a love of Jesus Christ God says, I will bless that congregation with unity. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life. There's life in a congregation when there is unity. And there is unity when there is love that is there. Do you know what all of this speaks of? Do you know who all of this points to? Jesus Christ. Aaron is an Old Testament type Of Christ. He was an Old Testament picture of Christ. When the oil is poured on His head here, when it says it is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard of the beard of Aaron, it is our anointed head. Christ, Christos, means anointed. He is our anointed head who is at the right hand of the Father. On the beard speaks of the humanity. It speaks of the humanity of Christ. He who did not think his equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and took on the form of a bondservant. He became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. There is the deity, there is the humanity, and then the oil that comes down on his collar, the robes are the ministry of Christ. There is the perfect picture of Christ in the midst of this psalm. And unity is there when there is the love of Christ. Now, Andy, only on one occasion did Barney and Opie and Floyd ever turn on Andy. And it was a sad episode to me It's one of the saddest moments in all of the Andy Griffith Show. It's in the second season, and it's called Andy and the Woman Speeder. You remember he arrests this woman, Elizabeth Crowley. He gives her a ticket, and she won't pay it, and so he puts her in jail. He does everything he can to get her just to pay the fine and leave, but she will not do it. She's going to make a point out of this. She's a businesswoman out of Washington, D.C., and she is going to correct this injustice. And what she does is she flirts with Barney and she strokes the ego of Floyd and she gives Opie a, a baseball signed by the New York Yankees. So when mayor's court comes, all three of those side with her instead of with Andy. You remember she flirts with Bonnie, Barney and she says, you know, boy, you you just bear a striking resemblance of Frank Sinatra and she gives that baseball to Opie and she tells Floyd, Floyd, you've got the touch. You are a great hairdresser. You are Jose E. If you know, at the end of the show, when they've all sided with her and the mayor throws the case out of court, Andy walks up and he says, congratulations. Uh, you've, you've done a great work this day. You have, you have, um, cheated justice and you've made a mockery of this court and you have turned three people against me that I would have sworn would have stood by my side. Well, how sad. And the camera pans over and Floyd begins to realize what he's done. And Barney begins to realize what he's done. And to me, it's one of the saddest moments. There is no unity now in the body there. It is heartbreaking when something shiny attracts our love and our affection that should go to Jesus Christ alone. And when it does, in the body of Christ, unity is gone. But oh, that's not this song. This song is about how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Man, I love this song. And I'm glad you're here. I'll be back tomorrow morning. We'll talk then. This is another step up. I hope this has brought you up and out of the distress of our day. You think about being a part of the unity of your church when we're all able to come back together. And you'll have that unity if you love Christ. God bless.